I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of The Front Free, officially the 279th most popular football podcast in the world ever last week. My name is Andy really? Lord. Yeah, it's true. Joining oh. me as always is Lawrence McKenna. <laughs> Interrupting me from even before the time he introduces me, it's Lawrence <laughs> <Yeah>. McKenna. <laughs> and uh, the stat man himself, David O'Brien. I've actually got a question for you two. Go on, I guess the difference between a triangle and Chelsea. Uh, oh wait! Uh, wait a minute. Um, a triangle uh, allows female doctors in it. Ooh. Nearly, <laughs> mate. But a triangle has three points. Ooh. 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 Top oh, Dave. Banter. Was that Terrible. your? Was that your Terrible. banter, Dave, or is that? That, that was my banter to kick the kick the show off. You know, I thought we'd get it in early. What yeah. a way to kick it off! Uh, <laughs> how the banter by say, eh, Dave? How are you? Go, how you are go you? Very well, didn't it, lads? <laughs> Lawrence, you're not actually uh, in the UK at the moment. Where are you calling us from? Why am I consistently late to the podcast? Is what Adam really wants to no, ask. No, I'm um, just intrigued. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in the country. Um, I'm around the world doing other footballing things, which wow. uh, actually take me away from my footballing duties this week, which is actually quite upsetting because, well, actually, well, Adam and I normally film on different days, right? Um, and actually, I actually have a question for you, Adam. Ooh. Go ahead. Uh, you know, you produce. Is it is it public knowledge that you produce on the football? Or Republic? I'm pretty yeah, it sure is, it's right? public knowledge, yeah. Um, can I just ask why I take all the flack for the fact that I have to judge the competition in front of the camera and then was people he... come along and go, he's a piece of shit! <laughs> <laughs> well, see, there's actually, if, if you don't watch the Football Republic, we do a debate show, and you're right, you do get a little bit of flack over the 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 judgments, the way you, you judge the debates. But I, I have been trying to say in the comments, you know, well, I'm there with you as well, saying that. <laughs> Justin. And I would actually say as well, this week, Lawrence, there was as many good comments commending your uh, refereeing on Twitter as there were negative ones on YouTube. So, oh, I, think, nice. so I think you're actually, that's, that's but you don't, you don't no get to see those. To. I was supposed to, you know, tag them in you at Lost Class, but I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll do that now. You're in another country all on your own. Like, don't <laughs> worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Scary Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lovely place. Um, I was really hoping Bruges would be here just the other night, but they're not. So that went well, didn't it, Dave? Oh, yeah. Uh, fantastic, actually, mate. Yeah, brilliant. We'll come on to yeah, that, we'll come on to that briefly. Yeah, okay. i got to do the usual intro. I've got to say thank you for listening to episode 18. Comment of the week last week was from Sahaj Verma. Oh, yeah. Sent, on Twitter, he sent us 
synonyms for strong words because there was a lot of strong words last week. There was harsh, he's saying, severe, sharp, acute, drastic, intense, serious, fierce, firm. All words we could use instead of strong words. And strong words is what I'm expecting tonight, Dave, in light of news that Chelsea have agreed a deal for long-term Manchester United target Pedro. Are you disappointed, Dave? Not asked. He's a good player, very good player. He'll fit into Chelsea very, very well. You know, Eden Hazard, Creighton on the left, Pedro running in behind on the right. It's going to be quite nice for Chelsea, to be honest. You know, it would have been a good signing for Manchester United. But I quite like the youthfulness of our attack at the moment and sort of matter coming inside, Depay on the left-hand side. I think problem areas we have at the moment is probably our 10 and our, our 9. Probably not um, Premier League winning quality. Obviously, Wayne Rooney's struggling with form at the moment. Yanazai's been pretty good. And then, you know, played played some pretty decent passes, but also played some pretty poor passes against Club Borussia. I think they're the two places we want, obviously, at centre-half. Been banging on about that for about 10 years. But Pedro, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to him, I like it. He's going to look great at right wing-back, isn't he? He's going to look absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Centre-half. Yeah, centre-half, Pedro. I do think Mourinho will turn him into a bulldog, though. Um, Or he'll turn him into something of of that ilk, or at least he'll try to. Because Pedro's sort of got a bit of um, gusto to him, which I like. Dave, what, why do you reckon this deal fell apart then? So it's interesting to try and get to the bottom of why he is on his way to Chelsea and not United. Obviously, as I'm saying, they've been linked with, with Pedro for, for weeks, if not months now. And we've been hearing in the press over the past week that, you know, the, the wolf of Old Trafford himself, Ed Woodward, he's been in Spain trying to wrap up a deal. Now, now the Guardian are reporting that Jose Mourinho and Cesc Fabregas personally reached out to Pedro. That's what persuaded him to join Chelsea, whereas Sky Sports are sort of saying United you know, dropped their interest in the player um, before today with Van Gaal apparently unconvinced. I mean, where do you think the truth lies in this? Were United <laughs> snubbed or otherwise? How are, you conv- how are you unconvinced by a player that scored 99 goals in 326 appearances for, in the Liga wow. from the wing? You know, it's absolutely mental. Edward, I, I mentioned this before on the podcast when I went on my absolute rant that he's had a rubbish window. He has had a rubbish window, and this has confirmed it. This Pedro deal should have been done in the bag, signed, sold, delivered. But they've messed about. They've, they've tried to play silly buggers with money with like 5 million euros or something like that, which is absolutely nothing. If you compare that, it, it isn't. But you know what I mean? It's just it's crazy hmm. that Edward Wood has, has bottled it massively in the transfer window. Again, he's made easy signings. He's made, I could have made those signings. I could have done Edward Wood's job. Probably got a better deal for Morgan Schneidlin, but it's just mental how, you know, we've, we had David Gill and he was absolutely slagged off by the fans for the Glazer incident and all that. And some stuff with McManus and uh, JP Morgan, well, not JP Morgan, whatever he's called, the other bloke that used to run the club. But now it's sort of like he's, he's letting himself down, Ed Woodward. And if he doesn't book his ideas up, we should just boot him. You know, we should get rid. He's just not good enough. My God. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lot. It, um, it reminded me of uh, Willian's um, move to Tottenham. Uh, back in 2013, he was apparently on the verge of joining Spurs. Chelsea all of a sudden swoop in, you know, snatch the player. But Maluda's moved to Liverpool. There you go. There oh, you go. Yeah. As yeah, Dave mentioned there, though, Lawrence, you know, Pedro potentially could be playing on the right wing. Yeah. Maybe William is moved inside. Maybe it means the end of. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. It's worked so well for all those other early signings. You know, we all know what, where Maluda is now, topping out in. You know, and then what about Willian, who's week in, week out on the bench for Chelsea? Fantastic. <laughs> well, no, Can't wait for Pedro int- to be over there. What, um, uh, Rory Jennings from Chelsea Fan Channel today said to me is he thinks Pedro's going to play on the right, William's going to play through the centre, Oscar's going to be the one sacrificing his position, maybe Juan Cuadrado is now going to be on his way out. But where do you see him fitting in and what, what do you think he brings to the team 
that's missing? Why has Mourinho decided that this is the guy who's going to... It's going to be probably Chelsea's biggest signing this summer, unless they you know, go all out and get John Stones. So what, what is he going to bring to that team that they've been missing? There's a lot of different narratives to tie together there, aren't there? I mean, there's uh, the fact that Pedro is, he's probably suited to the right wing, especially for Chelsea. Um, they've, they've never really had someone who's plundered the right wing in maybe the way that Mourinho wants him to. We all remember what happened with Robin uh, in earlier years, Damian Duff, those kind of guys, and how successful Mourinho felt he was with those kind of guys. So I think maybe he's looking for a, a more um, direct player out there, maybe I'm right to say. Um, I, I wonder why Mourinho wants to sacrifice Oscar. Um, and what the thought process is behind that, whether he will or whether he's just looking for more options, goals-wise, someone who can complement the strikers that he has and the strike force that he has, um, and also maybe looking at the movement of, of Pedro um, and the fact that you know he's not only scored goals that you'd expect of a typical winger, but he's also learned a lot from the other Barcelona players around him. And that's what I find interesting is Chelsea are buying a player from Barcelona here. Um, and, and, I mean, that there's something interesting about that in the first place, isn't there, that... By, uh, Barcelona are sort of letting someone go and Chelsea are, they're not taking their off casts but, but I mean this is a, a player who's ageing who's you know a good player but he's he's not you know he, he's, he's searching towards his prime now it's not like he's developing into this he's, he's a player that seems maybe in the Mourinho mould I think he's not that you know he doesn't need shaping he's going to come in and mm. uh, you know I think Mourinho would hope that he's got a little bit more to be able to step in straight away almost but it does look like they're going to tie up before the end of the week now. They've apparently agreed this £21.2 million deal. United, on the other hand, Dave, was, uh, in, this afternoon it came out that they're interested in Southampton's Sado Mane. So oh, BBC are saying they're confirming Pound the for interest. pound equivalent there of Pedro. Yeah, um, a few Man United fans are disappointed, but I mean, what are your thoughts on To be honest, I'd prefer move? to have Sado Mane in my team than Pedro. Um, I've se- I watched Sado Mane. Sounds like time. a revisionist history to me. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from his time at um, Red Bull Salzburg, you know, back in the day when I was a bit of a hipster, I used to watch Europe, you know, the you know the Europa League in the early stages. Saint Kevin Campbell were so good in that team; they were brilliant. Like they played like a four-two-four, and they're both the. Uh, Mene and Campbell were on either flank, and they were just fantastic to watch. The pressing, the harrying, the you know the combination play between those two, and I think he's. He struggled a little bit to adapt to life to the Premier League in his first few months, but then he was played at this second striker role, you know, a position that I do think United are weak in, in a way, and he's absolutely been brilliant. Since Christmas 2014, he scored uh, nine goals in the Premier League from midfield. No midfielder scored more goals than him, so he has got calibre. John Terry voted him into his uh, Premier League team of the season because of the, the, the problem that he caused John Terry when Southampton played Chelsea. Pretty much in those games, Sado Mene was the man of the match in both of those encounters. He has calibre, he's a top, top quality player, and I'd quite like to see him at Man United. If we can get him for something less than 20, then, you know, and he's 23 years old, he's improved massively already um, through his career. He's one of those players where, you know, where's, where's, his, where's his peak there, really? Is it, is it fair to say, though, I mean, he doesn't... There's not really been that many other players at United who have fitted the same mould as as many. Though that's, that's true, isn't it? I think that's the thing. Well, with our new system, obviously Van Hal is you know he's come out and said he likes his number ten to be a second striker. That's why Mene's so perfect because he's played that role in the Premier League already and he's excelled at it. So it's like basically you're moving from Southampton, a team in the Europa League, playing a second striker role, to moving to Manchester United and playing a second striker role. I think personally he'd be absolutely excellent at that. You know, running past Wayne Rooney, um, you know. He's very, very skillful on the ball. Very, very good on the in the box. You know, we we sort of lack a player like that. We really do. We lack an explosive player. And then you know, if if things are going wrong, you can stick him out wide, and he'll do a really good job for you. Uh, Lawrence, let me come to you about Manchester United's transfer policy because Dave there was sort of saying, you know, 
Ed Woodward, it, it, it hasn't been great. Obviously, Bastian Schweinsteiger joined the club. Morgan Schneiderlin fans were over, <laughs> overjoyed. But in these past few weeks, <laughs> we've seen, obviously, Pedro now against Chelsea. Sergio Ramos signing a new deal and arguably Nicolas Otamendi being another player they've missed out on. So how mm. would you... How do you view Manchester United's transfer window? Because at the same time, they have signed Schweinsteiger, Schneider, as I mentioned, Memphis Depay, who looks like he could be a great number seven for them, Damian. So how, how would you rate it? It's hard to assess from the outside, isn't it, what Manchester United have or haven't achieved? Because we actually, we know that moves have been made for players, but we don't know how um, committed those moves mm. have been. I mean, most of the time, what you, I think most United fans would argue is that when United are committed to getting their guy, then in the past, it's generally been the case that, that they have. Mm. Um, and you'd say that they've shown commitment to the likes of Memphis. Um, I also think they've shown commitment to the likes of Schneiderlin in there as well. And I'm just wondering what's, what's the difference between the players they're chasing there and the players who have actually come. And what I think is, especially when you're in the transfer window, it, it almost looks like the terrible, you know, the terrible narratives are wrought out. But a little bit further into the season, I think people turn around and sort of say, oh, well, you know, we made the best of this or, you know, we mm. signed this guy or this. And I think it's... Uh, you know, Dave, as a United fan, is making the best of this, that, and I think he's right to do so because Mane is a great option for them. Um, but I think a lot of people will probably go for the, the mocking side of things, which is you know Pedro chose another club over United, and people will read into the reasons for that. Mm. Um, and I think some what some people are reading into now is where do United go from here? Um, and I think some club some players may be thinking about their long term um, goals and what happens when Vagal leaves the club. Um, where do they go after that? And maybe there are people who are thinking. Uh, that, I, I mean, actually, maybe I'm making a counter. But the counterpoint to that would be, what the hell's the future for Chelsea? Because Mourinho's in his third year at this point, and we all know the um, the Bellingham-esque effect that that happens in Mourinho's third year. So, you know, if these players are looking to count on their future, I don't know which side I pick above the other. And most of the time, to be honest, it would probably be United. Let's come on to that briefly, since you did bring it up there. But um, obviously, it's a few days after the weekend. There's been the whole post-mortem again. Manchester City beat Chelsea very comfortably, 3-0. called a fake result by Mourinho. But, um, debatable. <laughs> it was very real. <laughs> there you go, yeah. three points, mate, and I feel terrible for you. But of course, there was, as well as the defeat, there was um, you know, another headline-grabbing move by Mourinho in taking John Terry off at half-time, the first time he's done that in 177 games as Chelsea manager. So it all contributed again to this 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 narrative, as you put it, of things going wrong. And as you mentioned, that third season syndrome for Mourinho, where things just sort of, you know, for some people are saying it's the beginning of the end. For you, Lawrence, is that is that a bit reading too much into things? Is that, you know, trying to put a narrative where there isn't one? Or is this, you know, things spiralling out of control for Chelsea? Mourinho's approach, approach a structure is incredibly all or nothing, which, I mean, has served him very well in the past. But it's also meant that I think it's cast the idea that Rafa Benitez's wife was correct into quite a favourable light, actually, because when you look at what she said, I think she made a lot of good points and she's not the first person to do that. You know, I think, you know, Jonathan Wilson's been saying it for years that he's almost the Cleopatra of um, of this of, of the Premier League and of, of European football, where he basically takes in a lover and then leaves them jilted at some point. Um, and I think that's part of the problem here, isn't it? Is that we get sucked in by the Mourinho uh, ego-filled rants, and essentially it's another ego. All our egos kind of react to that. And I just wonder: uh, is he sort of is he is he going for the oh woe is me, or is he going for the long term, which is 
you know, if, if I build that siege mentality that everyone's attacking us, that, you know, people think I've been a bad person, but, oh, look, the press have painted me in this light. Let's mm -hmm. go out and prove them wrong. Let's go out and be successful. But what I'm wondering is he's spoken about the next, you know, the 10 years when he first came back to the club. How's that shaping up at this point? Dave, let me ask you about the John Terry situation specifically then, because there's a lot that's been written about this, a lot has been said. As I mentioned, he took him off at half time. The reasons he gave were that he needed more pace in the second half. That's sure. why he took off Terry for Zuma. Those many people pointed out why not take off Cahill instead of Terry. So no matter how Mourinho tried to paint it, it did look it wasn't insignificant to take off the captain, the player who played every single minute of Chelsea's title-winning campaign last season in the second game in what will be potentially one of the biggest games of the season. To take him off at half-time is not something that can be ignored. Well, tactically, Mourinho got the game all wrong. and you know It's been mentioned so many times that the spacing behind um, Cesc Fabregas was the issue. Mourinho made a very bad call starting Cesc Fabregas at defensive midfield behind you know, with Matic, with Cesc Fabregas on the right side, Matic on the left-hand side. Obviously, that space with the little triangle of um, David Silva, Aguero and um, uh, Raheem Sterling and then Kolarov overlapping was absolutely brilliant in the game. He Basically, Mourinho should have changed it. When David Silva started to dictate, he should have moved them, he should have moved their midfield round, he should have had Matic sitting and then Fabregas and Willian ahead of them. Should have flipped their, the flipped the triangle really, and he didn't do that. And they were exposed time and time again to David Silva running at the defence, which obviously John Terry can't deal with. A very quick striker going in behind and a very very nimble attacker coming at him with the ball. Correct, yes, move take John Terry off and bring on a more a faster defender in Kurt Zuma. But if he'd started the game with Kurt Zuma playing in that right the right sided central midfield option, sitting next to Nemanja Matic, that wouldn't have been an issue in the game. They would have had that magic four. The magic box that Mourinho always loves. Two really good centre-halves and two really good defensive midfielders. Who are defensive then why didn't strong. he do that then, Dave? I don't know. This is, the, this is the really weird thing. It was like he was trying to, again, trying to like push away from the fact that he made a massive tactical blunder. You know, not putting Fabregas at 10 and playing another defensive midfielder in there. And then obviously R Ramirez was an issue on the right-hand side as well. You know, not tracking Kolarov properly. I've seen some, you know, insinuations that this whole game, the whole John Terry situation was a... <laughs> Was a ploy That's to, what I'm that you know Chelsea need to spend. It's a message to Abramovich that you know this squad isn't good enough compared to our nearest title challenges. We need to spend more money. I mean, what do you, what good, do you make of good that? Good to play that game. Those games have worked well in the past, haven't they? Oh yeah, never fails. Um, but what, what what do you think? Looking at it, it is, has been a slow start to the season for Chelsea, undoubtedly. Where, where well, they haven't think... got that new blood. They haven't done the, the Man United when Man United right, would dominate right. the Premier League for so many years. They strengthened every single season. They were the top spenders, which kind of makes sense. You know, you win the Premier League, get the most prize money, and etc. etc. Chelsea have not strengthened at all. They've had a terrible window. They've signed Radamon Falcao. How stupid is that? And they've let, let Peter Cech come. They signed the pretty good left back in um, <laughs> from the Bundesliga. Very, you know, overpriced. He's had one good season and they've signed him up. I think it was, is it Baberman? Um, from yeah, Augsburg, yeah. very very good defender, brilliant at winning tackles. But they they look like Ivanovic for me this season. He looks a bit gone. Like there was a moment where it, there was a fifty fifty yeah, in the centre yeah. of the park. Kolarov versus Ivanovic. Every day of the week, Ivanovic was winning that in the last two years. Kolarov won it. Kolarov had an absolutely fantastic game. He was brilliant for me. And he that was the moment that you're thinking: Is Ivanovic sort of is he done here? Oh, uh, have they got to build this defence back? He was at fault for a. A couple of the goals as well. You know that he lost the header to company. That was yeah. obviously an important goal. But it's interesting. I think it is like you say. Chelsea weren't on great form 
at the tail end of last season. They made a fantastic start to the season last year. They they got a head start on other teams, which is potentially why they won the league. But they were on poor form towards the end of last season. They seem to have carried that over. Fabregas as well didn't have a good game on Sunday. He's someone who he's leaving Matic a lot of work to do. And Matic as well has been struggling for form by looks of things. He was very ineffective on Sunday. But looking at Manchester City, who obviously won the game, depth. They bought Raheem Sterling. He's the most expensive player in you know English player in history. It looks like they're going to sign Nicolas Otamendi as well, who may or may not have been a target for Manchester United. The spine of their team as well. You're looking at company. You're looking at Yaya Torre, Aguero, Silva. These players look like they're hungry for the titles. So do you think, even though it's two games in, these Manchester City have become the favourites now? Well, I think they are definitely favourites. You know, the, the fluidity of their football uh, against Chelsea was absolutely brilliant. Aguero looks like you know banging form again. They've, they've made some very, very, very good signings, and obviously. Um, in Raheem Sterling and not, if Otamendi comes in he'll be a fantastic buy for Man City if they buy Kevin De Bruyne as well you know wow that is that is an absolute yeah. side but um, it's going to be interesting you know obviously teams fluctuate their form Man City have absolutely blown away people at the start are they going to do an Arsenal are they going to drop off um, you know we had a bit of an issue with uh, Pellegrini towards the back end of last season where there was murmurs around him leaving and, and uh, Guardiola's coming in. You know, that could happen again this season, obviously. He has signed a new deal, but Guardiola's contract to Bayern Munich does it expire at the end of this season. And this narrative that's going around that Guardiola's going to take over at Man City, still going to be in his ear and it's still going to be there. Questions about Ryan Sterling, you know, he started pretty well in his career. Can he keep that going on? You know, the likes of Yaya Torre has absolutely been fantastic in the first two games. Can he continue that form? Aguero, can he stay fit? If he does, City will win the league. You know, there's a lot of questions about City, but they've started excellently. And Vincent Company looks like he's gone to the gym, looks like he's bolted up, and he looks like the Vincent Company of old again. <laughs> looks, looks like, like he's lost man. body fat as well. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. Lean. Yeah, lean. Lean, mean, a fighting, title winning machine. Um, winning machine. <laughs> other transfer news. So, uh, West Bromwich Albion have rejected a bid from Tottenham, £15 million for Saido yep. Berahino. What I've seen of him this season, I've been unconvinced. He's had a few pretty glaring opportunities in the first opening two games. Lawrence, if, as is expected, Tottenham go back, pay 20, 25 million and bring him to Spurs, do you think this is really the right signing they need? They need those those striking options, of course, to support Harry Kane now. Old Bobby Soldier's gone off to uh, Villarreal. But is, is Berahino really <laughs> the guy that we need? That I... They need a striker. Well, that's what I'm wondering is do they need two strikers of that ilk? Um, or do they need someone with a little bit more experience? The problem is, I mean, it, it's almost, it's, it runs a similar narrative to the Bale, Sterling, any other young guy, uh, a Premier League club kind of narrative that the, if you become undroppable um, or you become the first name on the team sheet, et cetera, et cetera, then what happens when you sign someone else? Do you make a partnership or does the manager make it very clear and very public that there has to be some policy of rotation? I think that's the problem for... Spurs right now is that so much of the public perception for them is based on their identity of uh, Harry Kane that when you think about them signing Sado or you think about them signing maybe even a more experienced striker um, then you end up with uh, two juxtaposed ideas which is well who the hell can Harry Kane play with who will complement him and I'm just wondering do they need a different kind of striker and how different is Sado Brahinia from uh, from Harry Kane I mean he's 
he's certainly, uh, you'd say, a more conventional striker than Harry Kane. He certainly uh, looks a lot more conventional. But then that's part of the problem is the analysis of him is never at a top side. So his movement may be completely unlocked by a team like Spurs, whereas a club like West Brom, where he's been for a couple of years, he's still surrounded by quality players, but not the same kind of player or the same kind of movement that maybe you get under Pochettino. And I, I mean, I think for that reason, he would be signing at the right time, right, Dave? Yeah, I think I quite like Verahimo. Well, from what I saw last season, his form this year, though, you know, form this season over the two games has been rubbish. But then that's that down to a bit like West Brom have changed their style. They've brought in Ricky Lambert. They're going too direct too early. And they just look pretty rubbish, West Brom, this season. Verahimo, though, it's it's a weird one. They've signed, you know, Spurs have signed in G from Leon. They're pretty much they're the same player. You know, they're both quite small, nimble, very, very quick, pretty decent technique. It's a weird one. I think Spurs need to probably go more down the line of buying someone that's sort of a second striker that can play behind mm. Harry Kane, that can work off Harry Kane, knocking the ball down, or Harry Kane bringing him into play and that type of thing. I don't think, for me, I don't think Harry Kane's, you know, he's not going to play behind a striker. That's not his, That's not really his game. I think he is the focal point. I think that Spurs have lacked an attacking midfielder that plays behind the striker. I, like, you know, me personally, I like Christian Eriksen on the left-hand side. I think he's fantastic there. I think Spurs have actually lacked a number 10, like a like a Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley started this season flying. He'd be a good signing for Spurs. You know, someone that's <laughs> been good, um, you know, was really good, scored some absolute bangers, hit a bit of bad form. Now he's back in the Everton team and he's looking pretty good again. How much would he cost? Though? I mean, he's oh, going to that's the 50, issue. I think fifty mil. I reckon that that's. I can see him going to Man City in the next couple of seasons myself, but I think that's wishful thinking to say Spurs there. But um, other transfer news: we've got Florian Falvin. I don't know if I've pronounced that right at all. He's the Marseille attacker who's gone to Newcastle by looks. I think it's uh, Thovin or something like that. But they come on. I don't know. Let, we let usually me just... mess up one pronunciation, so we may as well let it be that one. But yeah, just the one. Newcastle have Newcastle have signed him with uh, Remy Cabea loaned to Marseille um, in exchange. So it's twelve million pounds. I mean, Dave, what what have you seen of this player? If anything, do you think that they've made the right move? They're letting go of Cabea, who never really had the chance to prove himself at Newcastle. A player who was touted as someone with a lot of potential. Yeah, Remy Cabello is an interesting one. He was, he was absolutely fantastic for Montpellier. He absolutely carried them for a season on, on his shoulders and then it goes to Newcastle and they just don't play him. And the classic Newcastle, you just get a buy in a foreign star and then he goes within within a season on loan or whatever. But um, Thoven is really interesting. He, he actually um, moved to Marseille last summer. He basically put in a transfer request. He was at Lille and he was I think he was their player of the year that season. Um, and he just threw his toys out of the pram, didn't want to turn up to training, got his move to Marseille, and he was at Marseille last season, obviously we've seen Dimitri Payet absolutely tear the league up, Dimitri Payet for me was the, the better of the attacking midfielders at Marseille last season, played lovely football, but you know, Payet was better, he's interesting one, he's, he's a very creative forward, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a dribbler, um, you know, pretty decent at crossing, but it just seems for me it's a really strange move for his career, He's was at Marseille, who were playing in, playing in Europe, um, the European Championships is in France, would you not want to stay domestically, do well in the French league, get noticed, get in the French squad, not moving to Newcastle United, that are in a club in real yeah, transition? But, yeah, but, yeah, but Dave, go and I mean, look at what's happening at Marseille right now. Yes, but then that's the, that's even bigger an issue. Then he can carry Marseille and he can get that 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 shirt in the French squad. You know, he's got an opportunity there. There's a big big transition in Marseille at the moment, but he could stay there and he could fight for fight for Marseille. But it's a huge tactical transition, and I mean, what he's playing alongside there is a load of players who really ran their hearts out last season and then this season we're looking at them 
Uh, well, I mean, we all know we all know what happens when you lose someone like um, you know someone who who pushes aside so far. But we also, and I'm just wondering, do, you know, is he jumping ship basically? Well, maybe that's what he's doing. But we also see after Bielsa comes, the next coach that comes in after Bielsa usually does quite well. Because the players are literally, you know, the players are like, "Oh my god, we've had to do so much running last year. We've had to work our socks off." And now, yeah, now the guy just comes in and is like, "Yeah, we're just gonna have one training session a week now, guys. Or oh, well, one training session a day. Sorry, guys. One training session right. a week, Dave. Bloody hell, league guns easy, but it's not that easy, Dave. Yeah, true. Um, but Marseille have started this season pretty, pretty awfully. You know, lost both of their yep. games. So, but maybe he's jumping, jump, jumping ship. He has created more chances than any Marseille player this year. That's not saying much because they lost both of their games one 0 our, our old friend Kristen Hennage on Twitter said he was very surprised that Newcastle pushed for that deal. Nothing to suggest he's worth it. So yeah, you know. I think, yeah. Well, I mean, there goes Chris, uh, Kristen undermining everything we've just said. Um, what about the? What about the? I mean, if they were to get another decent striker at Newcastle, then that makes them a slightly more exciting prospect. And I'm just like, how far should they push to get Charlie Austin? I think that. I think that they they should have gone for Charlie Austin over Mitrovic. Mitrovic was a yeah. gamble, very talented individual, but an absolute nutcase. We've seen with his two bookings already this year in two games, and he's a nutter. Mm. Um, Charlie Austin is a Premier League goal scorer. This is the problem with obviously with you know with Liverpool and Spurs. What they did poorly with the money that they got from Bale and Suarez was invest it outside the Premier League. Newcastle had an opportunity to invest inside the Premier League for a proven goal scorer, and they went elsewhere. A bit stupid, in my opinion. Other transfer news, Gokhan Inla has completed his move to Leicester City. <laughs> Football's top, broken. Top of the Premier League, Leicester City, might I add, from Napoli. Yeah. He's joined on a three-year deal. What makes you say football's broken there, Dave? Uh... Well, do you see the crazy players going around? Like, we've got Shakira going to Stoke, and he didn't even turn up for the, the first time they offered him a contract. He didn't even turn up to the negotiations, and he signs because they offer him 79 grand a week or whatever, and now yeah. this move as well. It's just absolutely mental. It's just money, isn't it? Premier League is just run back. We don't, we do know it, but it seems like this summer it's been so apparent that like middle that middle Premier League teams are, are going crazy. Like Redondo going to going to West Brom. Football is broken. But it, I mean, that's the interesting thing, though, isn't it? That middle class is really strengthened within the Premier League, and that makes the league so much more. Well, I mean, we say it makes the league so much more competitive. Just yeah. getting a couple of players doesn't make the league more competitive always. But it certainly, mm. I mean, it, it shows the intent of a lot of these sides. I think it also shows that I mean that's the thing isn't it is the Premier League hasn't always been great at buying I was looking at the way that the Premier yeah. League buy against say other people uh, around other other leagues around the world and you'd say that consistently La Liga is better at buying than most other leagues alongside Bundesliga, the Bundesliga and, yeah definitely um, and and that's the thing is that the Premier League's been really poor with with some of its buys down the years and so we are naturally very skeptical because we see this um, this this trend, but I'm I'm just wondering if there are a few managers now who are coming into the Premier League, such as Ranieri, um, such as maybe McLaren, who are seeing other people who have bought around, and maybe they're trying to bring in um, that that style of thinking. I I don't know. Maybe it's not applicable to the Premier League, but then at least that's an idea that is worth floating. Hundred percent. Just going to run through a little bit of transfer news quickly. Then just a few little updates. West Ham have apparently sealed um, a deal for Alex Song. Quickly, Dave, is that a good move for, for West Ham? Good signing? Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Alex Song, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? He's a really, really, really good player. I'm surprised more Premier League teams haven't looked at him. Someone like Liverpool. Alex Song. His attitude, could, Dave. His attitude. his attitude does stink, but when he's playing, he plays very well. Okay, maybe not Liverpool, let's say. Maybe like uh, Everton. Tottenham would be interesting, or an Everton. Yeah. You know, that'd be a very good signing. Or a Villa. 
Oh, no, no, Villa have, Villa have bought from Liga only. The That's thi- it. The, the, the they only go France to buy them, buy their players this summer, mate. The, th- the thing is also, though, I mean, it's also down to what the lifestyle the player wants, right? I mean, living in London is incredibly desirable. If you move to West Ham, you aren't living near the stadium. And, uh, you know, well, unless, unless you, of course, you want to move to Stratford in the end. But th- the point would be that you're in London. And, uh, you know, there's a real pull to that, I think. Also... Is that why Pedro, Pedro went to Chelsea? Uh, no, Dave, you're not Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> uh, also, we've got Liverpool uh, apparently rejected an approach from both Roma and Bayer Leverkusen for Mamadou Sacco. Lawrence, keen to hold on to, to Sacco? He's, he's still only young, still a player of a lot of potential. We Reds fans seem to like. Um, so, um, not fussed? Uh, <laughs> maybe not fussed? Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Um, Everton have apparently agreed a deal for Andre Yarmolenko. No, so, no, wait, no, well, I'm fussed. Sorry, can I oh, just say on, I'm fussed? But, I'm fussed, but also when you see people like Joe Gomez coming into the club and you see that Sacco is consistently not playing, then you think there must be a reason. It's not that I'm not fussed. It's that I almost think, look, a move for you would be really great here. I love watching you play for Liverpool, but I don't know if Brendan Rodgers trusts you. And so for that reason, maybe it's best to move on. And so it's not that I'm not fussed about him. I like him as a player. I like him as a character. What I'm not fussed about is the the idea that he might move on, if that right. makes sense. Fair enough. Um, as I was saying there, Yarmolenko to Everton. Dave, apparently it's a seventeen point five million pound fee. That's he, pretty extravagant. No, that's a very, very good. He's a, he was excellent in the Europa League last season. Very, very. You know, he pretty much carried um, Dynamo Kiev in terms of the attacking potential to the. I think they got to the quarterfinals. I think they got to. And they lost to Fiorentina, but he was fantastic. You know, he's he just. I think he, he got more assists than any other player in the Europa League last season. He was just really, really good. I really liked him. He was a player that I'm surprised not, you know, the likes of like AC Milan who are rebuilding. Inter Milan, who were looking for a winger, didn't go for him. And it's it's really interesting. You know, he created more goals in the Europa League than Kevin De Bruyne. And that guy can make an assist for fun. Um, you know, a very te- technically gifted forward. Plays on the left-hand side, right-footed again, you know, an inside forward type player. So it'd be a brilliant deal for Everton, that. Speaking of De Bruyne, as you you, no. you mentioned there, Wolfsburg apparently willing to sell for fifty seven million. Only if City, you know, meet that asking price. We'll wait to see if that happens. Can't really see it myself. Um, Chelsea as well. If you well, go to fifty seven, then you can go to sixty. That is a lot <laughs> yes. of money, isn't it? He would be if if they go to sixty, he would become the most expensive Premier League player in history, which seems absurd. You no, know, no, no. I mean, this is quite a player, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, I thought was interesting today. So we were talking uh, with Rory Jennings and Stephen Housen for Full Time Devils about this whole Pedro deal, and Rory was pointing out that he was still a little bit upset about the Juan Mata um, situation because <laughs> you looked at Man really? City's bench at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you looked at Chelsea's bench at the weekend, and yeah. you know Victor Moses on there, Quadrado's on there. They could have had Juan Mata, for example, Andre Schell, and yeah. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. So do you think, Dave, looking at that? Looking at it in hindsight, obviously, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Did Mourinho make a mistake in letting those players go? Or, you know, they won the title last season. Was he perfectly entitled to do what he did? No, he's, he's absolutely messed up, hasn't he? You had a very functional player in uh, Andre Schürrle. You know, brilliant at getting on the end of through balls, similar to what Pedro's going to do. But Andre is a bit more technically gifted. You know, he, he let Kevin De Bruyne go because he fell out with him because he didn't play him enough. And, you know, God knows why. It's, he's, it would be the perfect second striker in Chelsea's system. And it's just mental. It's just this crazy one. You know, Quadrado, 
an absolutely technically brilliant player. For Fiorentina, the start of the season, he was absolutely carrying them. The ball, they play in a 3-5-2, the ball would come to him in the striker position and he would just make things happen. Yet he's at Chelsea and it just seems like his confidence is shot. It's, it's a crazy one. I, I really like Quadrado and I seem, it seems like Mourinho's ruined him. Ruined him for everybody. Finally on confidence being shot news, uh, Roberto Soldado has moved to Villarreal. <laughs> £7 million, pounds, that's a £19 million pound hit. For Spurs on that one, did you see uh, his confidence being so low that he failed to kick the ball into the crowd at his unveiling? <laughs> and he did it twice. As if it no, mate, I think, didn't he kick it over the crowd though? I thought he kind of kicked it long. <laughs> it was brilliant. I absolutely love it. I just it. hope he scores 25 league goals in La Liga this season. Yeah. And he's, and he's a happy, he's I happy. Do I think, he's a happy guy. I think Spurs fans should be commended for. I went to a few games and I was shocked at the reception he used to get when he was on the pitch. Really? He, they were people loved him. He was getting like standing ovations. It was crazy. So I think you know, Spurs fans won't be too. Well, they won't be too upset to see him go. They'll wish him all the best. So I think it's a nice. It's, it's a nice move for him. Oh, that's cute. What uh, before we move on to the questions? Any other business in terms of transfers you guys want to talk about? Yes. Any deals? Yes, Dave? one one that has just apparently gone through. Go for it. it. No, actually, it's going to go through. In uh, no, no, it has gone through. Sorry, <laughs> it's been confirmed by uh, Marata, the Juventus, um, whatever he is, the director or whatever you call him. Alexandro has moved to Juventus. That is a massive signing. Alexandro is brilliant. He's such a good left back. Um, he plays for Porto. Uh, well, he did play for Porto last season in the Champions League. He was one of the reasons why it was him and uh, Danilo at the other side that's joined Real Madrid. Those two were so good. That's why Porto got so far last year was their fullbacks were brilliant. Alexandro uh, made more interceptions than any other player in the Champions League last season. Fantastic talent. Very good at going forward. Very good at taking players on. It's just Juventus are just getting better. There you have it. There you have it. Let's there they move. are. Getting better. They're getting better. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's move on to the questions. Lots of questions this week. Let's try and get through them all. Angus Moyer on Twitter asks, who do you think is the best World Cup winning captain from the modern era? Love the show. Thanks, Angus. Mm. Captain, World Cup winning captain from the modern era. What are we saying? 90, 90 onwards? Italian 90 onwards? Yeah, probably. Um, we have Germany in 2014, which was Philip Lahm, mm -hmm. I think. Then we have Spain. In 2010, which yep. would have 
the Ika Casillas. No? Ika Casillas, I imagine. Yeah. Ika Casillas took the armband. Yes, he did. <laughs> um, and then we're moving on to Italy, who I think that was Fernando. Sorry, Fabio Cannavaro. Wow. Mistaken. Um, I've, I've got World Cup winning captains here, guys. Oh, yes. And after Cannavaro, oh, who was before Cannavaro? Uh, Surely Brazil. there was Brazil. Is that Cafu? Oof. Yes, I think Oof. so. Oh, there's an argument for Cafu there, isn't My there? God. And then Didier Deschamps, which is surely... Ooh. Which year is that? That's that 98. That's 98, right? That is 98. That Surely is. that's so who's 94? Ni- 94 uh, was Italy versus Brazil, and Brazil won on penalties. So that's, that's Dunga, is it not? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is Dunga. Correct. Yeah. Ooh, there's some good, there's some very good captains there. Oh, that's poor. Uh, you know what? Who I think I've got mine. Go on, in. Go on in. I saying? think I'm going to go with Cannavaro. I was tempted to say Cannavaro, but I, you know, it, is it the best? Are we saying like the best player out of all them, or is it the best captain who best, sort of inspired the them captain. to the World Cup victory? Is that what we're saying? Ooh, that is a new kettle of fish. That inspiring I mean, to victory. Nice. Then in in that case, I mean, mean, it has to be Casillas consistently, right? Yeah, he does. He gets a hard rap nowadays, but he was he probably was the best goalkeeper in the world at that time, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah, Uh, Philip Lahm, pretty incredible. It's like winning an Oscar almost for Philip Lahm, isn't it? Like you know, the end of his career, crowning achievement, pretty incredible. Good lad. Well, uh, I'm definitely going to go with Cannavaro. I'm going to stick, not going to twist. What do you think? (laughs) I reckon. Uh, you know what? I can agree with Dave. That's fine. I'm yeah, let's all go for Cannavaro. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good luck. Like full yeah, house. Um, next question. Alejandro says, who is better looking, uh, Pella or Giroud? It was, it was mentioned that we, we were talking you know, about most attractive male footballers last week and we didn't even mention Olivier Giroud, popularly, popularly recognised as one of the most handsome footballers in the world. What if we stick Emre Chan in there? Hmm? I'd still go Giroud. Good looking chap, good looking chap. Uh, Shiro, isn't it? Shiro. Yeah. Pain Shiro. Yeah, it's got a really Giro. does pain it, doesn't it? Because that is that's weird for you to say that. Um uh, I'm jealous, yeah. It's gotta be Giro, hasn't it, really? Giro, yeah. Uh Dave, Nicola F always sending in the good questions, says, Do oh, yeah. you think Kovacic Kovacic will have a big impact at Real Madrid this season? Just no, signed. Not this season. He's got a pretty difficult midfield to get into. You know, the likes of Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Casemiro's been pretty good. Yeah. I, I just, I can't see where he's going to fit in. When I, you know, I've seen him play for Inter Milan a number of times. Either he's really good or he's really rubbish. He's like a, he's like one of the, he's, he's just inconsistent. Louis van Al mentioned it this week with Adnan Yanazai. It's young players are inconsistent and Kovacic is one of the most, like, polar opposite players I've ever seen in my life. But when he's on form, he's brilliant. He's very, he can, you know, take it up take the ball past the opponent, glide past them. He completed more passes than any other player in Europe's top five leagues under 23 last season. He has the calibre. But I just this season, I don't think he's going to get in the side. Um, it'd be interesting to see where Benz, where sorry, where sorry, Benitez would, would play him. Obviously, mm. he's going to play Gareth Bale at 10. You know, It's going to be the two defensive midfielders. You're behind Modric, Tony Cruz in sort of his position. He's not really a ball winner, is he? You know? So it's, it's an interesting one. Um, but for the future, he's definitely for the future. And he's now playing with his idol, Luka Modric, which is a lovely story. Lovely stuff. Uh, Bavy Bay on Twitter asks, any predictions as to what will be the biggest transfer signing on deadline day? My initial <laughs> thoughts would be this 
whole John Kevin Stones thing. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Yeah. That one could drag on. I'm thinking John Stones could drag on. Yeah. I'm thinking United, having missed out on Pedro now. Ooh. They might want to splash about their cash rich. They might want to splash it about. We saw last day. Lacazette, you never know, eh? See? Well, he did sign a new deal, so he, no, it means nothing. Pedro, staying, but... Pedro signed a new deal in June, and that means nothing. Um, <laughs> strong words, as they say. Uh, PN on Luca Tony. What about Luca Tony? <laughs> Got to put some cash on Luca Tony. Twenty-two goals in Serie A last season. To United, yeah. Yeah, to United would be beautiful. Why not? Eh? Um, on a similar topic, uh, PN says, could United get big name payer player? I assume it means this season. Maybe Bale. Can they get a big name payer, man? Yeah, maybe it does mean payer. He's mentioned Gareth Bale or Antoine Griezmann. Oh, pretty, they're not going to happen, are they? I think. No, I don't think so. Antoine Griezmann's just had his minimum release um, mm. up to eighty million euros, but he would be the man. He'd be the man. He's also Bale in him, definitely one hundred percent. He's also said, right? I'm going to try and pronounce this one. Lilic from Roma. Lilach. Lilach. Yeah. Oh, perfect. From Roma. Could he work under Louis Van Gaal? Um, at J2C9 on Twitter asks So Ilicic do you mean? Do you mean yeah, the guy from Fiorentina? El- Elevez, like, I, like I said hey. <laughs> How do you spell it mate? Well he's spell it L-J-A-J-I-C <laughs> They all look the same It's like L's and J's I'm, I'm well confused there mate Do you want to, do you want to ping me the name? Mate? I, I don't know who you're Next talking Next question uh, Mortadar <laughs> Nasir says What do you make of Olivier Giroud? He's a handsome chap but he says Personally I think the criticism of him is harsh He came on He started a game against Crystal Palace on the weekend Scored a great goal He, <laughs> I liked his quote after the game You see on, on, on Sky Sports what he said He said uh, yeah. I've scored 16 you know, I've scored 16 goals in the last six months or so, 19 of which have been with my first touch. So uh, his, ma- his maths wasn't great, but he makes a good point there. A lot of his goals have been from first touches. You know, this is a player who Arsenal fans one week will say is not good enough to lead the line. The next week they'll say he's a great finisher and is a you know, great front man. <laughs> what is your opinion of him, Dave and Lawrence? And, you know, well, well first, this- going, back, going back to that previous question, yes, he can fit in the Louis Van Aal system. Now this question... I think that is Olivier Giroud. He's a poacher. You know, he will, he'll be he'll be commended on his finishing one week, and then the next week he'll be anonymous in the game. Hence the slating. I think Arsenal fans think a bit too much of Olivier Giroud that he has this brilliant combination play and can play players in and this that type of thing. He's just a goal scorer, and I think if you accept him as a goal scorer, then you'll be sort of happy with him. But if you think he's going to be, you know, Benzema or Lewandowski or any of the players that have actually got a bit of technical ability. Nothing, nowhere near that standard. Next question mm. is from Steve Dunahue, who asks, oh, City, new title favourites, question mark, or is that just a premature knee-jerk reaction? We did mention it before. They are the new title favourites, so I think it's fair to say. And, yeah, perhaps it is a knee-jerk reaction. We're only two games in, but they look like the strongest team by far, I'd argue. Any thoughts? Uh, I think we've... Yeah, they do look like the strongest team by far. I think that uh, the interesting thing has not been so much just the additions to the squad, but also the fact that other players around those guys have looked invigorated by that. Um, you know, the addition of Sterling, it seems to have brought a bit of belief to this team that there's uh, a bit of a forward-thinking mentality around Man-, Man City. And I think that's also part of the outside as well, that Man City, most people underestimated them. Most people didn't think they were going to make many moves in the summer and they didn't think they could upgrade the squad with so few moves, despite the fact they spent a lot of money. Um, so, yeah, it does put them as favourites. Um, but uh, the, the question is, who's going to challenge them? Are we looking at Chelsea? Um, are we looking at Manchester United? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, we're not because we did not buy Matt Hummels, or we did not buy Osamende, or we did not buy Sergio Ramos. Hence, Same we did not have a good centre back pairing. Um, going back to the, it was it was Yayic, the guy that was on low, that was on trial at Man United. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll he can play under Lou Van Hal because he's a he's a strange <laughs> one. Is he's a bit of a nutcase. Um, oh. So Lou sorry. Van Hal or no, Lou Van Hal and Yayic. Oh, so no. it, it wouldn't work. The relationship would I be like... toxic. I like this question from Alex United fifteen on Twitter. He says, you know, touching on what we talked about, do you think this could be Mourinho's last season as Chelsea manager? So next season, next August, do we still think Jose Mourinho will be Chelsea manager? I'm going to say yes. I think he'll still be there. Um, it's third season, third season syndrome. I reckon he gonna... he's bigging it up too much. It's one of those things where Mourinho kind of said that he's going to stay. So for him to sort of not stay now, well, is that is that Mourinho West though? Is that something to be like? Oh, oh. I've, I've stayed for three years. I've won the Champions League now. I'm off. Classic. Dave, do, you, do you remember how he left last time? I just, God, he left in it. You know, it was all sorts of steam last time, wasn't it? But I'm thinking about the Inter Milan days where he was in that third season. He did win the Champions League. He kept it very quiet. He didn't tell anyone. And then after, you know, he signed a deal. Um, I think he signed a deal. Uh, with was it Real Madrid that he moved to? He signed a deal like uh, two weeks before the, the Champions League final. So maybe, maybe he's going to do that. Just explode, disappear. Maybe. Um, Liam, uh, at Liam underscore D-O-D, always asking good questions, says, if United miss out on Pedro and Otamendi, which they pretty much have, who should they go after, Dave? Is there one signing you think United should be focusing on? They've already messed up, haven't they? They should have got Matt Hummels. He's look, <laughs> he looks so good this year. Dave's not happy tonight. He's not happy tonight. Wait, they the made the best signing of the summer. You've got Memphis. You've Memphis. got Memphis. That's a Great signing. Nadlin. We needed that attacking threat. We needed a box-to-box midfielder. We needed a controlling midfielder. Now we need some flaming centre-halves. It's so basic. But they've all they've all either signed a new deal or they've, they've decided they want to stay where they are. So we've got Dane Blind, who's going to be excellent until he comes up against Christian Benteke, who will tear him a new one. And then, then everyone will lose their confidence in the poor guy. What? Uh, Daniel just, Thompson? I get it. Daniel, you sound you sound a little bit depressed, Dave. I feel, I feel bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. <laughs> what are you doing, Ed? Ed, what are you doing? Stop throwing the cash at people. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Daniel Thompson says, "What do you think about Aston Villa's transfer window?" Villa, Villa. Pretty good. Is seems oh, to be the general excellent. consensus. Yeah, brilliant. Oh my god. Ed. Adrasi Gan was so good against Man United. I love him. He's one of those players that's like a Blaise Matuidi that's just got so much energy. Brilliant at tackling. He's just everywhere. He's so good. I love that. I love those types of players. Admiral Kizaru at Brian Steve Q on Twitter says, Ericsson v Ozil in the Premier League. Full stop. More of a statement than a question, but I mean, I think... Is he saying who's better here, I guess? Uh, Ericsson v Ozil. Obviously... Ozil was, I mean, despite Arsenal losing, Ozil still looks pretty good. Um, Let me ask you this question, right? So, Ozil, first week, he's, you know, a ghost. Arsenal fans on his back. The next week against, you know, Crystal Palace, he's all of a sudden the second coming of Christ. It's <laughs> almost like the reactionary people. It's very, yeah, my God, it's like, you know, it's <laughs> one way or the other. Spencer Owen released an interesting video last week oh, on oh, his yeah, channel. He said, you know, Dimitri Payet v Ozil, he was sort of arguing that Payet was he's a better value player. Ozil hasn't lived up to his price tag. I saw the True Geordie commented on that video that, you know, 
Ozil's not Batman, he's Robin, he's, you know, he's not the, the main player, he's the, you know, the supporting act. Yes, he costs a lot of money, but that's not his fault. You know, that's inflated perhaps what people expect his impact to be on games and, and on the club. I mean, what, what do you make of the, <laughs> what do you actually make of the Ozil signing? It was 42.4 million, a lot of money. Arsenal fans lost their minds when he joined, but they do seem to go back and forth on Ozil is either this world-class, well-beater one week, the next week he's absolute crap. So, I mean... What? Yeah, but Wenger's either... Yeah, but to them, Wenger's either, you know, in or out, <laughs> those kind of things. I, I just think it's... One extreme I, or the other. Well, it's just, it, uh, you know, it's a very extreme uh, reaction to a lot maybe, of things. Uh, maybe he's just a very good player, and that's... That. He, no, I, I, well, I mean, he's clearly shown moments of brilliance out on the football pitch. He's been involved in a lot of very good teams. Um, people have extolled the virtues at Real Madrid at times at Arsenal and at times mm. for Germany that Ozil has shown. And I think that for that reason, there's there's a lot of quality surrounding him. And I think I it's think really worth him. It is. Uh, it's, it's worth him sort of having his having it uh, basically not being compared all the time. I, I mean, yeah. I, I found it a little bit weird when he compared him. Mm. I, you know, it's clearly the, the idea that he was going for clicks on that one, right? But, I, but at the same time, I think he makes Actually, an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, of course. But he was just, you know... I He's think, a luxury. Mesut yeah. Ozil is a luxury. I think the inter- the interesting thing with Ozil is what people point out that for that amount of money, you expect you do expect a match winner, someone who's going to impose their will upon a game. He's not going to shirk. He's going to just you know take it by the scruff of the neck. Ozil is not that player. No, he he won't win you a title. He won't win you a World Cup. But he'll be in the squad. Can I get what I mean? It's it's kind of like, <laughs> he Harsh, won't but... he will never carry a team by the scruff of the neck and win a championship. But he fits in very well to a winning side. I think that's maybe the best way to put it. Going back to the question, I would prefer Christian Eriksen. Oh, he's gone there. He's gone uh, there. I would prefer Ozil, just because of the way that I, I would want to play my football. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool with me, bro. Those are... Yeah, no, good. Thanks, dr- Alicia. Those are drastic. Uh, thanks, Dave. Those uh, are drastic words. Serious words. There drastic. From you two. <laughs> um, James Kaser. On Twitter says best signing so far, best signing of the summer so far. I'm biased because it was last night. I've been influenced, but Memphis Depay, I think, is going to be a serious. He's going to be a serious player, isn't he? Yeah, I know his only club Bruges, but I mean, 100. He's going to be good. He's going to be. Really... <laughs> he's going to be just good. Yeah, he's going to be very right. good at scoring goals. <laughs> he's going to be all right, that player. Uh, I did some stat digging yesterday, and um, oh, Memphis Depay has taken 58% of Manchester United shots in all competitions this season. That equates to 19 shots in three games. It's, a, it's absolutely ludicrous. This brings us on nicely to <laughs> the next question. Bearing in mind you know, the reaction from last night, people are getting excited about Depay now. Bearing in mind it was Club Bruges. We've got German Chicas Jr. at Chicas Jr. on Twitter. Thank you for your question. He's saying, is Depay the next Ronaldo? Dave, you've had three games to judge. No, no, he's not. Because Ronaldo was a different player. Ronaldo was a winger. Ronaldo started off as a winger and became a goal scorer. Memphis Depay, for me, is more like I am Robin. That's who I would say is a, is a similar player of him. I mentioned this on Full Time Devils today. I was on one of their shows. Go and check it out. It'll be the Newcastle preview. And I was just saying... Um, he is, he's more of an inside forward, you know, cuts into a stronger foot and looks for the far post, the far, far post court curler, but is also very explosive. Uh, different to Ronaldo, Ronaldo sort of, his game has matured over time, but I think Memphis will be more of a, a, more of a goal scorer earlier on in his career, let's say. I think someone made a good tweet earlier uh, in the day, they said, uh, 
Beckham uh, plus Cantona plus uh, who it must have been Ronaldo um, equals Memphis. And I think they made an interesting point that I mean it's it's nothing to do with the kind of the stature of the player yet. But what they're saying is he's he's got the the ability of someone like David Beckham or Cantona or Ronaldo. He has the temperament possibly of someone like Cantona. Yes. Um, and then the promise of someone like Ronaldo when he was there. That doesn't make him three times the player, but it certainly puts him in that category of excitement. And I think that that's great for United. And that's great for United fans as well. I think it, it, To have that kind of player and to prove that you can so almost so easily sign that player, like so easily convince him, is fantastic. It works. I read a cracking article on him today that was talking about how he sort of, um, you know, he, he cut people out of his life. So basically he used to go out clubbing and all that type of thing. And then he just... Mm-hmm. It just came to him that, look, you know, if he wants to be a professional footballer and he wants to do this properly, he's going to have to cut some people out of his life. You know, the people that, uh, you know, are troublemakers. He, he mentioned quite a funny thing. It was basically like he likes taking his friends out to dinner. But when his friends stop appreciate when appreciating in him taking out to dinner, he'll cut them off. Yeah, but fair play to wow. him. You know, he's well, got, how, do you, how do you measure appreciation? Well, it's difficult. Probably a rating, like a scale at the end of it. Did you enjoy dinner out of 10? 10, 10, 10, yeah, oh, five, mate, tonight. All right, oh, yeah, the next one. Well, thanks for coming this, out. This yeah. is a fantastic question, I think. James on Twitter Who would you asks, cut out on the podcast, Adam? Oh, definitely. Lo- oh, sorry, mate. Oh, you're right. You're here. <laughs> uh, no, James says, will the USA win a World Cup before England win their second? I like that question. I like it a lot. I like, I like it. I like I'm it. I'm tempted. Um, Part of me wants to say yes. It's tempting to say yes, isn't it? If Roy Hodgson becomes USA manager, then I think they um, probably will. Um, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say yes. I think they. I, I think they'll say yes as well. Yeah, yeah I think they'll say yes. They're progressing as a footballing nation, whereas we're just stuck in the doldrums. <laughs> Can I also just put it this depressing? To it, they have an entire con. Almost any continent's um, girth of people there. But, I know they're not a continent themselves. They don't they have Harry, they don't have Harry Kane, mate, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Think about that. About no, the they factor. do have Josie Altidore, so... <laughs> Suck on that. But that you know, happens most. Swings and roundabouts. Uh, <laughs> Mark, uh, Matt McHugh says, is this year the year City make it past a round of 16 in the Champions League? Based on current, you know, the way they're looking... Maybe. <laughs> uh, yes. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Depends I on the group. They're the seventh best team in Europe. They'll get, they'll get wow. Barcelona now, won't they? Yeah, I think that's the thing. If they don't draw Real, Barca, Bayern in that last 16, yes, they'll get through. But then they've also got to do the group stage properly, haven't they? Because they've been messing that up for the past like, you know, four or five years. You've got to take that seriously, win those games, and then they'll be fine. There you go. Um... Kenyon Guna says, "You didn't answer my question from last week. Oh, whether sorry. any of you, why would, not? Whether any of you would exchange your managers for Arsene Wenger? For that me, was a good question. No, no, thank you. Thank you, but uh, no, thank you. Are you kidding? I would not. I wouldn't change him. I want. I like Pochettino. He's young. He's hungry. <laughs> okay. Wenger's um, Arsenal manager. No, thank you. Do, you. do you mean now, or do you mean uh, you know in like?" 90. I mean, if Liverpool... Oh, okay, if you're talking 97, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. If Liverpool had done it, that would have been incredible. Yeah, um, But now... Mm, no. Rodgers. He's tempted. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, Brendan Rodgers, he's, he's, you know, young manager. I'd sound him out. I'd do the sort of... Available <laughs> uh, for a... No? Okay, good. No, we, ideas, no, we're yes. fine. No, no, we've got ideas. Brendan Rodgers. It's all right, mate. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Would you swap him, Dave, Louis Van Gaal, for, for Wenger? 
Um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I'd probably say yes. Because oh. I like Wenger. He's got a good longevity to him, and I, I like managers with longevity. I like him as well. Nice um, next question comes from Philip Eklund, who says, Have United lost their status in Europe? What with Osmendi, Pedro, Ramos not going to Old Trafford? No. No. We're well good and shit. <laughs> no. Next question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shush, aka Juice26, says, Oh my god, this is a hard one. If you could have any player from any generation play for the club you support, <laughs> who would you choose? Kenny Douglas. Is he saying many. A yeah, player any, from your club from any time in the past. I think we've had that question before. Is he basically saying if you could have any player in the history of football to play for your club right now, who would you choose? We, we've answered that. I think we have. Um, did I say Kenny Dalglish before? Yeah. Yeah. We've there you go. It. Kenny Dalglish, yeah. Um, centre-back. Uh, Shailen Patel says, what manager is capable of managing a big club such as United, Madrid, Bayern, ETC, but hasn't yet been given the chance now I don't want to be um, I don't want to you know, no offence to Borussia Dortmund here but you might say oh. Jurgen Klopp is someone who's probably going to go on to manage one of these huge super clubs in well yeah it's fair years. to say that but they're not a super club are they they're, they're, a, they're a big club but they're yeah, not yeah, one he of these said, he said big clubs so I didn't want to you know I didn't want to try and offend it but well, super club you've upset me Adam sorry mate I only apologise. Got any suggestions for people like Klopp, or maybe in a few years who are going to be on that, have that status, or on the verge of you know managing one of these massive clubs? Imagine Gary Monk. Yeah, you know, Gary Monk. He's doing, I was just he's, doing pretty, he's doing pretty well, isn't he? Yeah, Brendan Rodgers. I've seen I've seen a few um, people. Well, Spurs aren't a super club. I've seen a lot of people saying Eddie Howe. They want it. They see him as the future Spurs manager. You know, this is someone in a few years they'd love to see manage Spurs. Mm. Could go on. Well, to he's, he's quite young, things. isn't he? Young, young lad still. So he, he could potentially get to the top. There you go. There you go. Um, this is a good one. Uh, Tack of Zach on Twitter said the best player outside of Europe's top five leagues. My Shit. knowledge outside the top five leagues is poor. So. Is there any suggestions for me with you guys? That is a um, even the championship. Some... Do you know any championship players? That's technically outside of the top five leagues. Could we maybe? Say, yeah, I mean, you could probably say a championship player, right? But I mean, you could also say someone like Russia. Give me a second to Google. From Ajax, he has scored four goals in the Eredivisie this season, more Who? than any other player. Who? El Ghazi from Ajax. He's a he's a winger. He's had a pretty good start to the year. Um, I'm just trying to think because a lot of the talent that y you sort of know has got has come to the the Premier League or has gone wherever. Mm, you know, the likes yeah. of Memphis Depay, he was an absolute star, obviously in the Eredivisie. Um, it's a difficult one. It's outside my specialist area. I usually class myself as yeah. a top five, top five European. I'm thinking of my football manager guy. save. Thinking of you know, you European scouting. Zenit. Yeah, you got hope. You got hope. Yeah, that's true. That's a good shout. You got Danny also at Zenit St Petersburg. Yeah, I was going to say a, a Russian club is going to be that club, mm. isn't it? They've got a lot of money to chuck around. Uh, maybe. Uh, that's a good point. Um, well, well, you, here's what we can do. We can crowdsource this as an answer. Uh, if you it. have anyone who's particularly good on FIFA or you have someone who's good on Football Manager or you have someone that you've been watching in maybe a league that you're enjoying at the moment, then let us know. And we'll answer that question next week with maybe. the answers that we get given. I'll tell, yeah. I tell you what. I like Jet that a lot. When I was watching PSV, Jetro Williams, the left back, was brilliant. He was well good. I'm surprised he's not been snapped up by anyone yet. 
But anyway. Like Lawrence see. says, send in your answers. We can look at them. Dave can bring a few stats, maybe a little bit of insight. Yeah, Beautiful. Okay. I love it. Um, Richard B. asks on Twitter, will Leicester finish in the top 10 this season? Bearing in mind, they're top, they are top of the league right now. They have confounding expectations. Is the question not, are they going to win the league? <laughs> well, you know, well, it, now should you're going to us. it should be. It should be. No, the question is not, are they going to win the league? Uh, the question is, what? That they will finish where? Top 10. Top 10. I think uh, no. I don't you know think what? they will. The middle class though is so convoluted that you you know mm. you could go from thirteenth to tenth in a very short amount of time. Right. And it's I think manager you're like Ranieri, you know, you've got a pretty you've got a pretty decent shout there. But I mean, at the same time, the intensity they're gonna to have to play with against some of these top sides in order to do that is well, that's gonna be pretty high. Uh how long can Vardy keep this form up if Vardy doesn't mm. be, um is allowed to keep this form up? Um yep. And it's basically how Ranieri plays these big sides because we haven't essentially seen him play a United or a, and that's what we'll see this weekend is them play they play Spurs don't they? Mm. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how Ranieri plays that whether a true underdog in this sense. Um, Juan Vargas says, "What is the most boring football game you <laughs> have been to?" Oh, I, uh, ooh, good I once, uh, when the Olympics were on in London, I won yeah. tickets to one of the football games. It was the worst pile of shite. Women's football, was it? No, no, it was men's yeah, football. It was, it was, it was something like, <laughs> I can't even remember who it was. It was like Mexico v, I don't know, Japan or something. I can't even remember. It was, oh, it's South Korea or something like that. Oh, it's awful. I, I walked <laughs> yeah. out before. Yeah, um, shit countries. Extra time, I walked out. I just had it. I had enough. Really? Yeah. Whoa, I just walked out. I knew, it was going to penalties. And I still walked out because I was like, I can't You're know. just a disgrace, aren't yeah, you? It's terrible. it's terrible, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I went to a really rubbish game in League One once. I went to um, Bournemouth versus Hartlepool, and we, we got there late. So we were there like five minutes late, and the, the first goal was scored inside four minutes. So um, we watched uh, pretty much, you know, no goals in 85 minutes of the game, and it was terrible. Rubbish standard of football. I've been to a Liverpool nil-nil, and that was pretty bloody. I don't I actually so bad. I don't remember the the team, and I remember just being really upset as a kid, like nil-nil. Dad was like, oh, "I'm so sorry." Um, <laughs> and then I just although nil-nils are often good, but like as a kid, you're not watching the aspects of the game that is a nil-nil. Do you know what I mean? You're you're just looking for the goals or the flash points, and there weren't any. Um, but then it's Jonathan Wilson, and this is a really funny one, who says he loves nil-nils because he feels like you learn something from it, and you know there's something actually interesting about it because tactically it's played out in such a way. Nah. And, and I, I'm inclined Classic to agree. Wilson. That. I, I Barney Renee says the same. And uh, you know what? They're basically, my two, along with Graham Hunter, they're probably two, my two favourite journalists. It's all about the reactiveness of football. Like, someone takes a goal lead, what does the opposition manager do? What does the manager yeah. that's taken the lead do? That's what I like. I like the transition. Yeah, but, but Dave, you're, you're not being subtle enough. Sorry, mate. You're not, you're not, you're saying, oh, it's about the goals, mate. It's about the, no, it's no, about, it's about, it's about the, it's about the tweaks after the goals. That's what I was saying. I find really tactical, tactical. If it's about the tweaks which cause uh, the goals, or even better, what if it's about the tweaks which then um, cause people not to score goals? Because the problem is, no, if I give goal you a rest. Happen, it's about goals, mate. But no, come on. If a, goal, if a goal doesn't happen, then tactically, you you've not know. exposed the opposition. You've not overloaded an area, and that's a, a tactical issue that you've not done that. Or is the or is the opposition played you well? And I think that's the whole point of tactics. Then you've got to expose them, haven't you? You know, it's interesting. It's all yeah, interesting. Yeah. This football and, game we like. God, but that's the point. Is, is, bad, could, is could, why aren't teams more adaptable? 
adaptable like why can't a team just go and overload someone like it is it is it I like i guess that's the problem isn't it is like you know we we see it from five aside i mean how is it so hard to play a tactical game in five aside imagine trying to coordinate 11 men or women out on a pitch and sort of be like overload that area but also at the same time don't overload it so much that these people get down the other end and score a goal and that's like football broken down. But there's something, when you break it down like that, it does sound crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, talking about overloads, Man United had that issue in the first half against Club Bruges. You know, behind Luke Shaw, there was acres of space in the first half. And it was we saw it out in the second half. But, you know, that's a, an example of what you're saying, Lawrence. We've got time for one more question. I couldn't get all through the question, all through all the questions. Apologies, that's, you know, run out of time. But you need to do an extra podcast, guys, because yeah, we need to get through all the questions we've ever done. That extra separate podcasts, a different day of the week, all the questions. I like that. Let us know what you think of that. Um, but anyway, I, I've actually got one question. Alan, okay, go on, go on, go on. From um, Harsh Singlehal, I think his Come name on. is. Um, we it's accidentally missed a question a few weeks ago. Yeah. Who Never do you think is the best back four? I think he's talking about ah. Ever. Okay, yeah, because he says, being a Man U fan, mine is Gary Rio, and I love how he uses their first names, and then he goes, Fidditch, <laughs> Ever. Um, it's because you don't call him Nemanja. You don't look him in the eye, and you don't call him Nemanja. They're the rules, Lawrence. Yeah, uh, and he, he has never been so hard that he's killed someone. Um, I, ooh, that, I mean, that is a great back four, isn't it? That's a good one, definitely, 100%. That is, that's uh, a back four. Back four, what about this as a back four? Um, you go Catherine, you go Maldini, you go Nesta, you go who's oh. completing the season? Who's at right back? Or you, or you go Costa Costa Curta and S- Nesta and then Maldini at left back. Cafu Barassi yeah. wasn't Barassi in this Barassi yeah, at one point Bracey. was in that in that what team. What about the then, um what about the old uh What about the Italian side that won the World Cup? I mean having Fabio oof. Grosso in any back four is pretty much a huge achievement, isn't it? <laughs> Well, to, to be honest, that Barcelona team from last year was a pretty pretty good defence. Alaba, uh, Alves, PK, and Mascherano. That was lovely. The, the, I, I love Mascherano it, it, along that back line. It's fantastic. The Barcelona back four in the Guardiola era. Yeah. Puyol uh, in there as well. Can Abidal. I go with... I mean, Liverpool Tasty. had a pretty classic one. Liverpool had Sammy Huppia, um, <laughs> Jamie Carragher, Steve Finnan, and John Arnarisa. Now, you don't think that they are... They had- players they're still they're, all four of those players are arguably Together. classic Premier League players <laughs> but Hansen Liverpool Thompson centre I mean, yeah. of the defence uh, yeah well you've got Hansen and maybe uh, Lawrenson there yeah uh, Phil, Phil Thompson was good as well and then you've got I mean you know when you get onto wing backs you can re- you can talk all day about the evolution of the wing back right what about I mean uh, I was trying to think well Real Madrid surely have had some great centre back combinations <laughs> Um, y- Juve, surely. Well, you- Juve with Cannavaro and who anyone, right? Um, well, you got to look at you know Inter Milan when they won Ooh. the Champions League. You know you got Jack Javier Zanetti at right back. Oh, sorry, left yeah. back maybe, and then Mike on at right back, Ooh. Lucio and Walter Samuel. That is pretty tasty. I've got to say as well, um, Louis Van Gaal is pretty rubbish at centre backs. He sold Lucio when he was <laughs> Lucio was twenty eight and. Lou Van Hal had just taken over at Bayern Munich and thought Lucio was surplus to requirements, who then went on Mental. to win the Champions League at Milan through a defensive display. That's my issue with Lou Van Hal. Maybe he doesn't know how to buy a good centre back. What about Winterburn, Nick Dixon, Adams, oh, yeah. Keown, <sighs> even the Invincibles as well? That was Problem is, Winterburn, Nigel Winterburn looks like your dad. <laughs> my dad specifically, or just your dad? Someone. Yeah, no, your dad. Yeah, your dad specifically. Yeah. <laughs> Does he, mate? Um, Carvalho yeah. and Terry. 
Galas yeah, isn't playing it. That's a good one. Yeah, oh, Ga- yeah, Galas. Um, that's a lot. Uh, who's the best back forward? Was that? Probably AC Milan. You know, AC Milan has always yeah, had very good defenses. Really. One of those Maldini teams. To be fair, is it really a back four if you play a sweeper? Um, I think with the ne- I'd, I'd say the Nesta one. You know, when they were in two thousand what like four till six, where they had Nesta Maldini, and then Cathy. yeah, Cafu and, then, and Costa Curta or whoever else was in that yeah. lovely Who's left side. Yeah, good point, Dave. Like, yeah, all right. Barisi, Costa Curta, Maldini, Tassotti. I've been told. And uh, Adam, you can't go on Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> what about Wait, that's I mean, my encyclopedic any football knowledge? Question. What about Ramos? Uh, Listen, we've got to move on. Ramos, <laughs> Pepe, Marcello, and Carvalho. No, they've won. Carvalho, no, that's, that's crazy. Too many nutters in that back four. Listen to this. Final I like, question. I like. Final question for this week. Colm Cooney on Twitter says, which player do you hate the most and why? That's hard, isn't it? I'm uh, not a very hateful person myself, so I find it hard to yeah. hate a player. But, oh, um, that is a tricky question, isn't it? Steven Gerrard. Really? Whoa, yeah. Gerard. I love how Dave, uh, Adam and I are going to <laughs> Tricky question. Steve, Dave's like Steven Gerrard, mate. Gerrard fucking hate from... him. <laughs> yeah, it's Steven Gerrard. Definitely. 100%. Hi, Dave. Wow. Okay. Just a rotter, isn't he? <laughs> Hi, Dave. Um, okay. Back in the day when he played, I disliked Gary Neville intensely. Um, Ex- yeah, very. Yeah, that makes sense. I did think it, no. Um, I think the classic what? John Terry is an extremely hard man to like I'd say yeah. he makes it very Terry's difficult to t- like him yeah. right uh, what about a, an Argentinian well. maybe maybe one of the Argentinians in the team Diego Maradona is easy to <laughs> yeah I, I don't hate the, him though. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that him broke my heart I think this is even another question a player that broke my heart was Carlos Tevez he was my favourite player at United before he joined City <laughs> And he, he, he destroyed me as a person. It took me years oh to recover over that. Yeah, you really need to get out more, don't you, Dave? I don't um, do, mate, don't I? <laughs> do you actually hate him, though, Dave? Do you hate him now? I can't. You... It's the problem. I can't hate him. He's I can't like bring He's myself like to hate you him. Took your I want heart to out, hate him. On it. Still wish her the best, eh? <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for John Terry because he's... He's terrible. He's a terrible human being. He's a terrible human. Ashley a terrible human. Ashley, yeah, yeah. You know, well, that was a really funny tweet the other day, where someone said, um, "At least if um, Eva Canero had shot someone with an air rifle, she wouldn't have got in as much trouble as this." And I was like, "Here's a good point, Very actually. Good point. She probably would have been better shoot going on the pitch, shooting Hazard, and then walking back off." What is life? <laughs> a that brings an end to episode 18 of the Front Free. A little bit of a you know extra long edition here. Thank you very much for listening. If you've got any questions or suggestions or thoughts on the podcast, tweet us at the front free. As Lawrence said there, players outside the top five major European leagues, any players you know you've seen on FIFA, Football Manager, or in real life, if you're that way inclined, let us know. (laughs) We can talk about next week. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Lawrence, where can the good people find more of your work? Podcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T online. And Dave... Well, it's um, Squawker Dave on Twitter, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A-D-A-V-E. I've done a few videos on YouTube recently, so go and check out my channel. Um, check out the stuff. I do a video after every Man United game, uh, you know, talking about three talking points of the game. I've done some uh, pre-season stuff, so just get, get over there, have a look, have some fun. What about you, Adam? Where can we Bloody find you? Love it. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Botwood or on YouTube, The Football Republic. We just did an amazing debate 
between Spencer Owen and the Drew Geordie. Lawrence had the, the tough job of referee in that one, but I think, you know, did a pretty bang up job. I think we got it. I think we got yeah, it right. Yeah, amongst the, 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 the Lions, didn't you? Hmm? The Lions? 